Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Nice and clean, execute our race, put ourselves in position, got to be there at the end. Yep, copy that, have a nice smooth day and try to be there when it counts. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. The perfect pit call that put Hamlin out front and then Denny took it from there. Chase Briscoe is a winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Really cool to, to race those guys and do a clean, that's the main thing. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Xfinity, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud partner of NASCAR. By Whelan, on the road, in the air, and around the world. Whelan is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. By Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew here with you. Coming off a very busy weekend of racing at Pocono Raceway. A weekend that included Chase Briscoe going back to victory lane in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He got his fourth win of the year at Pocono on Sunday. We're going to chat with him about that. And also, we're going to chat with him about going home to Indianapolis. We'll preview his return home to the Brickyard this weekend. Speaking of that... The NASCAR Xfinity Series will race at the Brickyard, but this time through on a road course. A.J. Allmendinger will stop by and give us a preview of what we can expect there, of what's going on in the infield at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We're going to recap Cup Series racing in Pocono with an MRN Backtracks. Plus, we'll get another two with Rusty. We'll be able to hear some great stories from the NASCAR Hall of Famer, Rusty Wallace. But first... NASCAR Today Midday host Kyle Ricky is here with all the latest that's trending in the world of NASCAR. Kyle, what do you have for us? It was an action-packed weekend in the Pocono Mountains for NASCAR and ARCA as five races took place in three days. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin each walked away with a Cup Series win after the first-ever doubleheader, giving them three wins and four wins on the season, respectively. It's been a rough year for defending series champion Kyle Busch. While he was strong at Pocono on Saturday, finishing fifth, Sunday resulted in a crash, only 74 laps in. The disappointment in his voice after the incident was apparent. Uh, I know what happened. It just doesn't make any sense to talk about it. Um, I'll get ridiculed either way. So just uh, want to thank my guys. Had a great car today. The M&M's Minis Camry was really fast. Um, you know, it just shows how strong our team is and give us a little bit of practice. And obviously we can uh, 
be the best guys out there like we have been year in, year out. It's just frustrating to get crashed from the lead, but it is 2020, so it doesn't surprise me. It was announced that the Champions Banquet held in Nashville after the season has been canceled for the 2020 season. NASCAR made the decision with extreme caution regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Plans are still on to continue holding the end-of-the-year banquet celebration for the champion and playoff drivers in Nashville in the future. Jimmy Johnson has made some headlines on Twitter. The seven-time champion posted a picture of himself holding a weight plate-like steering wheel, announcing that next week he is testing an IndyCar with Chip Ganassi Racing. He also said he needs a crash course in IndyCar-specific strength training. And the rumors continue to swirl about the much-talked-about choose-cone rule that would allow drivers to choose either the inside lane or the outside lane for restarts, meaning that if the first seven drivers in the running order select the inside of the choose-cone, the eighth-place driver could decide to restart on the outside and be the first car in the outside lane. More details to come, but speculation has the rule being implemented for NASCAR's all-star race at the Bristol Motor Speedway on Wednesday night, July 15th. For more on these stories, visit MRN.com. I'm Kyle Rickey. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up next, an MRN backtracks of the Pocono 350 from Sunday at Pocono Raceway. Progressive presents the sounds of the old world. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been the sounds of the old world. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Whelan designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on site to meet the toughest industry certifications. On the road, in the air, and around the world, Whelan is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, trusted to perform. The Xfinity fastest lap in Sunday's Cup race at Pocono Raceway was turned in by Kevin Harvick with a speed of 172.482 miles per hour. The Xfinity fastest lap is brought to you by Xfinity. That wasn't just fast. That was Xfinity fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. We'll have a NASCAR Live backtracks next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. Hey guys, I'm Corey the Joy. If you want honest opinions about everything NASCAR and much more, listen to Sunday Money. Lauren Fox and Daryl Mott join me every week, and nothing is off limits. I'm sorry, has your life not gotten better since we've gotten closer, or has it gotten worse? It's my job to put our team in the best position to get a good finish. Join our conversations. We give our real opinions. No holding back on our show. Listen to Sunday Money. I don't need an investor, Daryl. I'm an independent woman. I use my own husband's money. Right here on the Motor Racing Network or wherever you find podcasts. This is NASCAR Live. 
Now, back to Mike Bagley. It's Harvick off turn three for the final time here at Pocono. Exiting the corner, he'll see the checkered flag go in the air, and Kevin Harvick wins the Pocono Organics 325 at the Pocono Raceway. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's how it sounded in the first race of a doubleheader for the Cup Series in the Pocono Mountains this past Saturday. Kevin Harvick checking yet another race off of his win list. The teams used the same exact cars, worked on them overnight, and raced again on Sunday in the Pocono 350. Here's MRN's Backtracks, the best in-car audio sound married with MRN's radio call. Green is out. We're racing in the Pocono Mountains 350 for the NASCAR Cup Series. Austin Dillon falling back to the fifth spot. Yeah, man, Whoa, trouble up in turn number two. Two cars hard into the outside wall. Make that one. It's Michael McDowell who all of a sudden comes spinning out of the pack of traffic and nails the safer barrier. We're spinning, we're spinning. In the wall. Your eye bud. Got that was not that. Drove right to the pin. Remember. Remember, he's got a lot more to lose than we do on a lot of these places. Christopher Bell off of turn two and onto the short shoot. May have got the outside wall with the right rear solo car spin off of turn two. Hang on to it, hang on to it. We're smashing the back guys back straight in. Yeah. Kyle Busch, he has nosed that M&M's mini Toyota into the safer barrier. Hard contact. One coming inside. Hey, Lock it down. You all right? Okay. Top of 53 in the tunnel. And 12 got to run. I'm going to see the replay here. Let's take a look at Ryan Blaney's car. Alex Hayden, you had a chance to look at it. Is there damage on the 12 after contact with the 18? I'd say, yeah. Very minor cosmetic damage, though. Uh, Ryan Blaney was uh, the, the driver that was racing hard with Kyle Busch. Sure, I got damage on the right front. Have to pull just, in front of, pull just in front of the tire is the tire mark. The fender still like it has all its shape around the top of the tire and behind it. It's just in front of the tire is the tire mark. I don't think it needs much, but didn't need to look at it. No idea what the hell he was doing. Why he was entering high and then went back to the bottom. Trouble off turn number two, Ryan Priest gets turned around right in front of a quarter of the field and he'll nose it into the inside wall. Solo car spin. Uh, I don't know if they got the inside wall or not. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. When Ryan Priest spun off of the tunnel turn in turn number two, started going down towards the inside wall, Bubba Wallace made a hard left turn to try to avoid it, took the car right up against the driver's side, up against the inside wall. Check up, check up, check up, check up, check up, down, 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 down. Watch it coming across, watch it coming across right here. Oh, baby! God almighty! Oh my God! I'll be back. Me too! Please give me some underwear for that one. Back at Pocono Raceway, we mentioned Joey Logano made a fuel-only stop. Unfortunately, drove through too many pit boxes. Uh, they say we're too many boxes on entry we need to pass through. I don't think that's right. My God, are you serious? Oh, double check, see. Tire rolled out on pit road, may catch a caution here. Jimmy Johnson came to pit road, and Steve Post, it got wild down there. Yeah, it did. Jimmy came in, and they were doing right side tires. The tire changer had the tire right, the, the one they took off the car, right in front of the car when Jimmy went down. He clipped the tire, and the tire bounced out onto pit road. We were going to have to do a pass through because of an uncontrolled tire. When you want to take it, we got two laps, Cliff. 
We're going to take it now. It's going to be lights the whole way. Damn it. Is that confirmed on the 48? Let's... Yes, that is us. We're going to pit this time. We're going to do lights the whole way. Drive through. Remember, Denny Hamlin and others among the top 10 still have to come to pit road one final time. Been several attempts a lot faster than him on average with traffic. We'll be bringing you third. These cars average about five miles per gallon, and here's Denny Hamlin. Expect about four seconds of fuel, and that's it. This time, Lambert. This time. This time. Brakes, get your page. Brakes, page. Perfect pit entry here. Two laps to go. Kevin Harvick really liked where he stood. Right now, not so happy. How do we, so, how do we get behind the 11? Just the traffic? Yeah. Yeah. Did he just stay out rank clean lap? Yeah, 10-4. Do all you can here. Danny Hamlin is beginning to disappear off into the sunset. Your P2 right now, the 19th bleed. Yes, the pit in seven. 122 complete. The four will not get to you. Not fast enough. So you're not gonna turn my tires here. Just pace it. No, just go. I'm just don't make a mistake. You know what I mean? But we're good. We just gotta get the 19 to pit. It was the perfect pit call that put Hamlin out front, and then Denny took it from there. Off three, final time, checkered flag waving at the start-finish line, and Denny Hamlin wins the Pocono 350. Oh, yeah, fellas. Worked easy, but got it done. Great work, DH. Way to go, DH. Way to go, team. I'm the core varsity you want two days and still uh, run second win one, huh? I mean, you guys are just kicking ass. Chris, you're... I mean, you're on it, dude. Way to go, man. Great job, big crew, everybody. Hamlin's fourth win this season, of course, won the season opening Daytona 500. He has now won three races since returning to racing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Coming up on NASCAR Live Sunday afternoon's Xfinity Series winner, Chase Briscoe. Hey, NASCAR fans, this is NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace. There are only a few days left to enter to win a one-of-a-kind 2020 Toyota Camry TRD at nascarfoundation.org slash car giveaway and help children in need. This championship edition Camry celebrates Toyota's 2019 NASCAR Cup Series title. Just donate $25 to the NASCAR Foundation for your chance to win. Go to nascarfoundation.org slash car giveaway. That's nascarfoundation.org slash car giveaway. For more than 80 years, Detroit Diesel has been the legendary driving force powering Freightliner and Western Star trucks across North America. Through our state-of-the-art Detroit technologies and components and safety systems, we've earned our customers' trust as a reliable business partner dedicated to improving their bottom line. It's no wonder they continue to depend on Detroit to keep them safe and efficient on the road. When you demand it all, demand Detroit. Pocono winner Chase Briscoe chats with our Kyle Ricky next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Now we're uh, easy top 10 car. Before you dive into the race weekend, get up to speed with MRN Out Loud. That is what makes an extraordinary team. I'm Woody Kane, inviting you to join me every Thursday as we talk to NASCAR drivers and crew chiefs about the coming weekend's race. There, there's a lot that we've been working on. And let you know when and where to hear MRN's coverage from the track. It's one of the older race surfaces we go to. Gear up for the race when you catch MRN Out Loud streaming every Thursday at MRN.com or wherever great podcasts are found. Jeff Gordon has come from virtually nowhere. He's one of NASCAR's all-time greats. For the 
93rd time in his career. A pioneering champion. Be at the right place at the right time. The kid who took on the good old boys and changed NASCAR. We started to go toe-to-toe from Earnhardt. MRN presents a 10-part podcast series that traces Jeff Gordon's rise to NASCAR legend. Jeff Gordon, the colorful career of the Rainbow Warrior. Available now at MRN.com and your favorite podcast source. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. Chase Briscoe has now taken the checkers four times in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in this 2020 season, including this past Sunday at Pocono Raceway. Kyle Ricky checked in with Chase after getting the win Sunday. Chase, first off, congratulations on the win. A wild race on Saturday afternoon, and uh, you were able to get the job done for, what, the fourth time this season? Yeah, it was uh, not as easy as we uh, you know, wanted it to be, for sure. It was an up-and-down day, um, you know, starting off down. Just balance-wise, we weren't very good at the beginning of the race, and, uh, you know, we got a little bit of a break when a lot of the faster guys crashed, but I felt like, we had made our car way better towards the end of the race anyways. And we have that speeding penalty and then the flat tire. And then, uh, you know, fortunately a lot of the, the faster guys, like I said earlier, were kind of tore up. So it made it easier to get back to the front, and then, you know, two or three guys. And then we were able to, to run down Ross. And then that late restart made it a lot tougher than I was wanting it to be, but we were able to just keep fighting all day long, kind of like we've done all year long. You know, if you go back to Homestead being seven laps down and, you know, there's been multiple races this year where we could have easily given up and we just keep fighting, and uh, we were obviously able to, to come out on top because of that. Talk about, if you can, the, the flow of the race on Saturday. Uh, not even talking about your flat tire and spin in front of me over in turn number two, but just the yellows and the red flags and those first couple of segments with the, uh, the oil in turn number one. I mean, how hard was it to get a, get a rhythm? Yeah, it was tough. You know, I watched the truck race before us, and you know, they had a really hard time getting going, and I didn't really expect that for our race. Um, and then, you know, we start, and we're the exact same way, and I don't – I never felt the oil. I know, you know, watching the race back, there had to have been something down because I don't know how that many guys spun out right there. But, yeah, it was frustrating at the beginning just because you don't really know what your car's doing yet. Um, and, you know, we're getting close to already the end of stage one, and we hadn't even really ran any green flag laps. So it was a little hard to get in a rhythm and even know balance-wise what you needed in a race car. But, yeah, I felt like once we kind of got, you know, five or six laps in, it definitely made things easier. But really all the way till stage two, it wasn't a normal race at Pocono, but just with all the yellows we kept having. Describe your incident over in turn number two in a tunnel turn. It got my attention. It caught me off guard, to say the least. I was going out of turn one, and watching the race back, to me it looks like my left rear was going down for about a lap and a half. It looked really low on TV. Um, I never felt anything. You know, the car felt fine. And I was going out of turn one down the little short chute there down the back stretch. And just randomly about halfway down, I, I, I all of a sudden about spun out, you know, halfway down the back straightaway. And I tried to get out of the gas and slow down as best as I could because I didn't want to wreck in the tunnel turn. But I was also trying to get off the racetrack. Um, you know, we should have been in that big wreck off of turn number one. You know, Cindric was literally maybe an eighth of an inch off my front bumper, and I should have been in that. And it just seemed like everything went our way outside the speeding penalty and the flat tire. Yeah, when it's your day, it, it's your day. So, uh, yeah. and when it's your season, it's your season. Four wins this year already Vegas, Darlington, Homestead 2, and Pocono. Nine top tens and 13 starts. What's clicking right now with you and, and your Stuart Haas racing team? Yeah, I mean, first off, we just have really good race cars, and that makes my job, you know, 10 times easier. And, uh, you know, it's, 
a great position I'm in being at Seward Haas. You know, you have a car capable of winning every week and, you know, every race this year we've been in contention, I feel like, to win. And, you know, we've probably given a few of them away, but, you know, that's part of it. And, you know, I think a lot of it just goes back to finally having experience. You know, there was tracks last year I'd never even been to still. So just having that experience now and, more importantly, having a notebook of, you know, what I like in a race car, kind of the things I look for. Uh, you know, it's critical now with no practice, and, and we have a pretty good idea of, you know, what I like. So we start pretty close to, to where we need to be, and we can kind of fine-tune it in the race. And, and then confidence obviously goes a long way, too. And, you know, with how successful we've been at the beginning of the year, you know, that confidence just continues to rise. And, you know, it's crazy how much confidence can determine how your racing season goes. You know, you see guys get down on their confidence, and they really struggle. And, you know, when you have confidence, it just seems like everything kind of goes easier. And in the last couple of weeks, that confidence has has maybe been challenged with a couple of different crew chiefs, some new young kid named, I'm just kidding, Greg Zipidelli, <laughs> who's been with you the last couple of weeks, and obviously uh, Richard Boswell, who's still uh, sitting out. I think he has one more race to sit out because of the issue in Homestead. Um, how tough has that adjustment been, or has it not been? Because I feel like you guys have found immediate success, even, even with the switch over at Homestead. Yeah, you know, it hasn't really affected us, I don't think, just because of the fact that, you know, we don't have practice. So, in a sense, Boswell's still setting the car up. He's still doing everything. You know, Zippy's just coming in and calling the race, which he has so much experience doing that. You know, it's a pretty easy job. Um, Zippy's still, you know, fine-tuning the car throughout the race, but, you know, Boswell's still the guy setting the car up. And I think this week will be our first real challenge of, how we overcome, you know, having practice finally and, and say it's an, I mean, it's a totally new racetrack, so we don't know what to expect anyway. So, you know, I think that's when it's going to really kind of test us just because we haven't necessarily been tested because we just show up and race. So our cars kind of set up how it is. So, you know, Zippy's obviously, I think the best alternative you can have, you know, just he's done so much in the sport and he's obviously accomplished. So for us, you know, and even at Stuart Haas, whether it's, you know, Zippy on the on the pit box or even engineers or car chiefs, we have so many great people that it makes it easy in a sense where, you know, a lot of teams might not be in that situation. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise that it all happened when it did. You know, Zippy just so happened to be in Homestead with us that weekend. So it uh, just all worked out. And obviously we're ready to get Boswell back, but Zippy's done a really good job. And, you know, we all expect him to. You mentioned this weekend the NASCAR Xfinity Series goes to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the first time on the road course. Your home track, being from Mitchell, Indiana, uh, what's this week? What will this week be like for you as uh, you head back to Indy as, as being in your your backyard? Yeah, I'm super excited. The next two weeks really are, are home races for me. Obviously, Indianapolis is my home race, but Kentucky's you know really five or six miles closer to my hometown than Indianapolis is. So, you know, both of them are really big, but Indiana. Indianapolis specifically would mean the world to me to win. Um, you know, growing up a diehard Tony Stewart fan and having Zippy on the box, I mean, winning an Indy would be icing on the cake. So uh, we've been putting a, a ton of emphasis on this race. Um, you know, it's new for everybody, but we've been practicing on the simulator since February for this race just because it's new and, you know, we want to be the best we can be. And, you know, even last year, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on Indy just because personally it means a ton to me. So, you know, hopefully we can get the win, um, you know, but at the same time, this race still pays the same amount of points as any other race. So uh, we got to keep that in mind and, and try to win stages and, you know, you know, try to win the race, obviously. But, you know, we got to still have a good day. Um, we're only three points ahead in the actual regular season championships. So we can't go for a win and cost ourselves, you know, trying to, to maybe win the race and we end up crashing or whatever. So 
you know, we got to keep that in mind. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of bittersweet going to Indy without fans. I was really looking forward to seeing all the people I normally don't get to see. Um, it seems like that race always – I have so much fan support that it's, it's really humbling. And I'm going to miss not being able to have that. And then to go to Kentucky the following week and have the same thing happen. But, you know, it'd be pretty cool to win an Indy. And uh, I can't wait to get there. You mentioned you grew up a Tony Stewart fan. You now drive for him. Uh, he actually or obviously has found a lot of success at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway during his driving career. Were you there in attendance for any of those wins? I wasn't there in attendance, but I was on TV or watching on TV, fist pumping, going crazy. Um, you know, I remember the first one he won, and then when he won the second one, and he gave the interview about all of his real diehard fans, I was like, man, this, this is my guy. This is why I love this guy. And to see how much it meant to him to win at Indy, you know, obviously it's the Xfinity Series. It's not the Cup Series, but it would mean the same to me to, to win there. I think anytime you grow up in racing, you dream of getting to race at Indianapolis, but let alone winning. And, you know, when you grew up an Indiana kid, you know, it just multiplies that by 10. You know, a lot of a lot of people that grew up in racing, they never went to Indianapolis, so they didn't get to experience that. Um, where me and Tony, you know, we grew up there. We got to see all of our heroes go and race there. So um, it would mean the world to me to win there. Like I said, it's a privilege just to get a race there. Um, and to win there would be even more special. Look forward to it this weekend, the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Indianapolis, and for the first time on a road course, Chase, best of luck to you at Indy, and congratulations on the win at Pocono a couple days ago. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can find more of their conversation on MRN.com. Of course, that was Kyle Ricky and Xfinity Series championship contender Chase Briscoe. Coming up, A.J. Allmendinger chats with our Kurt Becker about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. Rusty Wallace here for Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief. This pain cream is the official pain cream of NASCAR for a reason. It works fast and you won't stink. There's no messy, greasy, nasty feel or any stinging or burning here. This is pure pain relief. Don't run your engine on Octane 89. Get the good stuff and meet me in Victory Lane. Blue Emu works fast and you won't stink. Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. Seven-point reinforced nylon harness. Check. Carbon fiber head and neck restraint. Check. Thermoplastic nylon window webbing. Check. NASCAR uses innovative technology to protect their drivers. Shouldn't you do the same to protect your Wi-Fi network? With Xfinity XFi Advanced Security, your XFi gateway safeguards all the devices on your home network. So if it's connected, it's protected. Wi-Fi security? Check. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. Visit Xfinity.com to learn more. A.J. Allmendinger will preview the Brickyard's road course race for the NASCAR Xfinity Series next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The 1993 Cup Series season had more than its fair share of twists and turns. Dale Earnhardt and Mark Martin had a problem here yesterday, got together. That's Dale Earnhardt. He shouldn't have even been messing with me in the first place, and so I flipped the script on him, and what does he do? Wipe us out. Here's stories you've never heard before in a 10-part series called the 1993 season. So Dale comes over and I said, what did Mark say? He said he wouldn't talk to him. So Mark goes on to win four races in a row after that. You can download it for free on iTunes and at MRN.com right now. Check out MRN.com for a podcast series called The Tough Trucks of NASCAR. 25 years and still trucking. We'll take you back to some great races. Here they come. They're crashing in the back at the line. Mike Skinner wins it. Some wild moments. Brendan gone gets turned around and slams hard into the inside retaining wall. And the stories that go with them. We lost the championship, but there was a lot of ugly things that went on behind the scenes. Ended a lot of friendships, actually, to this day. Download the shows for free on iTunes and at MRN.com. 
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. A.J. Allmendinger has won in the NASCAR Xfinity Series with Colleague Racing this season. That coming a few weeks back at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. He's back in the car this week at the newest track on their schedule, the road course at Indianapolis. Here's MRN's Kurt Becker with his conversation with A.J. Allmendinger. We are joined this time by our special guest, A.J. Allmendinger, driver of the number 16 Chevrolet for Colleague Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. AJ, how you been? Welcome to the show. I've been great. It's been uh, kind of a crazy year for all of us. Uh, but, you know, through this pandemic and, and everything that's happened, uh, my relationship with Collar Racing has gotten even stronger. A great year so far in, in what seemed like uh, was going to be a, a hectic and a very unknown season. Speaking of which, Colleague Racing is still fairly new to NASCAR. This is a team that really just coalesced and began to form about four or five years ago, and yet here the team is able to compete, able to win races, and able to do so consistently. What have you seen about Colleague Racing that you think has enabled it to rise to the top level so quickly? I think it really starts with leadership, and Matt Colleg, uh, you know, what he's able to to pro- provide for all the men and women at college racing, you know, through this pandemic that was, it really showed because he made sure that all of his employees were paid. Uh, And for all of us team members, it just allows us to be able to, you know, go out there and focus on not just winning for yourself, but winning for, for everybody. And I think, you know, anybody that saw the Talladega Xfinity race saw the, the happiness that myself and Ross Chastain had for Justin Haley when, when he won, because it wasn't just Haley wing, it was college racing as a whole wing. And it, Ross had the same thing last year when, when Ross was able to, to win the first race for college racing uh, at Daytona, you know, myself and Justin Haley celebrated just as hard as if we were Nick Lane, because truly we were. Well, I know that well, I know. Your, your teammates and uh, a lot of folks were, were happy for you a few weeks ago when you reached a milestone in your NASCAR career with that first oval track victory at Atlanta, you made it clear how much that win meant to you. For a guy who's had so much success in racing, why was that first oval track victory, why was that so important to you? Because I'm a part of NASCAR. (laughs) Predominantly, it's mostly ovals. So, uh, you know, it just – I knew the outside stigma of myself was, you know, road course ringer. uh, And I always joked around. I said, well, I guess that means at least I equally don't suck at everything. So – uh, you know, it, it, it just allowed me personally because I put so much pressure on myself and I don't let the outside noise ever get to me in the sense of what other people say. But what I truly care about is from within of me of how much push uh, pressure that I really put on myself. You know, they set that car up for me to run and that's what they told me. They wanted me in it, uh, the whole time, whatever amount of races that we ended up doing and, you know, to be able to add Bristol like we did and then be able to add Atlanta and then really add Homestead because of what happened in Atlanta, you know, that, that means so much to me. And the best way to go out there and show it is, is win race for them. With regard to how weekend racing schedules have been impacted since uh, we resumed racing in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, will, will you guys get any opportunity? I mean, here's the first road course race of the year. 
It's the first time the Xfinity cars have ever raced on this layout. Will you guys get any chance to get any time on the track, or will your first laps be when the green flag drops on Saturday? No, I think they uh, they have planned right now two 50-minute practices. We got no qualifying, so unfortunately, those practices on Friday will be uh, some time to, to go out there and work on the race car. But, you know, I think they're minute and a half laps, about 90-second laps. So 50 minutes isn't a lot of time. By the time you kind of get rolling and, and really shake down the car, got to learn the racetrack. I mean, I've tested it on sim but it, i know where it goes but really don't understand the racetrack and run some laps on it so a lot of different challenges but i mean what a weekend right double header uh to have indycar and xfinity running on the same day on the same racetrack and then Brickyard 400 on sunday a racing genre of all of us kind of can build on that and hopefully build something to the future well you touched on the fact it is a a big and exciting weekend of racing for so many years in the sport of NASCAR, when it came to the July 4th weekend, we for decades have thought about the, the tradition of being in Daytona. And of course, this year, the schedule had changed even before the, the COVID pandemic hit. So sure, while we all appreciate tradition and history and such, is it exciting for you to have a chance to be part of what essentially is starting a new tradition in an historic racing town like Indianapolis? Of course, and, you know, I mean, just what Indianapolis means to, to the racing history and, you know, whether, of course, the, the Indianapolis 500 is the big one there, but with what the Brickyard has, has been for, I mean, where are we at now? How many years has this been going on? 26 years now? Uh, so it's got a rich history in NASCAR. You know, Formula One's been there, MotoGP. As I said, IMSA's run there, so... The only thing we're going to be missing, unfortunately, is the fans. And that's going to be tough. It's all the racetracks that we go to, we miss the fans. But you walk into Indianapolis, and that just feels like even more special. Like there's got to be people there. So we'll miss that. But uh, hopefully we can put on a a great show. Well, AJ, you've been very generous with your time to join us here today. And we appreciate that very much. Again, the race is Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. The Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard, 62 laps, 150 miles for the NASCAR Xfinity Series machines. And we want to wish you all the best for a happy, safe, and enjoyable racing weekend in Indianapolis. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. That's Kurt Becker and A.J. Allmendinger. Still to come on NASCAR Live, we'll hear from seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. I am proud of this place we call home and the men and women of this nation who stand unafraid, sacrificing everything in order to keep us safe. And in their honor, I salute them in any way I can. NASCAR. NASCAR salutes. Refreshed by Coca-Cola on NBC and NBCSN. Hey, this is Bubba Wallace, driver of the number 43 Victory Junction Chevrolet Camaro. Victory Junction is a year-round camp for children living with serious and chronic medical conditions. Each year, nearly 10,000 children and their families get the chance to play, laugh, and do things they never thought possible at Victory Junction at no cost. 
You can make a difference in a child's life and fill your heart race. Support Victory Junction by texting Bubba to 36413 or donating online at victoryjunction.org slash donate now. Seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. It's ripped the fence. Alex Bowman is here. Jeff Gordon, your boss, was there one night slinging back whatever he was drinking. We won't confirm what he was drinking. Maybe we'll do that in a little bit. He was drinking Stella. Stella Artois. Wow, classy. You can misconstrue that between arrogance or confidence, and, you know, sometimes there's a fine line. I think the mustache was the confidence. Definitely. I don't know, I don't know how I had any confidence after wearing that damn thing. <laughs> it's the Rip the Fence podcast available on MRN.com and your favorite podcast app. Hey, NASCAR fans, this is NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace. There are only a few days left to enter to win a -a one-of-a-kind 2020 Toyota Camry TRD at nascarfoundation.org slash car giveaway and help children in need. This championship edition Camry celebrates Toyota's 2019 NASCAR Cup Series title. Just donate $25 to the NASCAR Foundation for your chance to win. Go to nascarfoundation.org slash car giveaway. That's nascarfoundation.org slash car giveaway. Whelan would like to congratulate Denny Hamlin and his number 11 Joe Gibbs Racing Pit Crew for the win at Pocono Raceway on Sunday. They are the Whelan Pit Crew of the Week. With 20 laps to go, Hamlin's pit crew fired off a lightning-fast two-tire pit stop. And here's Denny Hamlin. Expect about four seconds of fuel, and that's it. Kim Coon, here's Hamlin to you. And that FedEx Brown Toyota comes to a stop perfectly in the pit box. The crew is going to go to work on the right side. They're going to take a tear off the gas right now like you said about four seconds of fuel they did make a minor adjustment he was reporting still tight wanted to free him up for these last 20-ish laps on the Denny Hamlin machine well they ripped off a great stop a two-tire stop for Denny Hamlin will it be enough indeed it was enough as Denny Hamlin kept Kevin Harvick at bay for his sixth win at the tricky triangle on the road in the air and around the world Whelan is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley. We continue on along this week's NASCAR Live. So glad you've joined us. Jimmy Johnson is vying for his eighth title in his final season of full-time Cup Series competition. Needless to say, it's been a very unique year for him and everybody in this sport. Here's NASCAR today's Woody Kane with the seven-time champ. Speaking of the Jimmy Johnson Foundation, you're closing in on the end of the annual Blue Bunny Helmet of Hope. There are 10 semifinalists now, and fans can get involved, I think, through the 30th, right? Tell folks how they can get involved and what's in, what they can do. Absolutely. You can freshen up on uh, the Blue Bunny Helmet of Hope program. The 10, uh, the ten nominees so far, uh, we're getting down to the five. Um, at Jimmy Johnson Foundation website. So jimmyjohnsonfoundation.org is where you can check out those details. And we really are focused with grassroots programs uh, through this this uh, project that we're working on. Um, Blue Bunny has come on board and has really moved the needle for a lot of small grassroots charities around the country. Uh, so thankful for the relationship with them and so, so proud of the uh, – gosh, we've got to be up at – 30 to 40, maybe even 50 small foundations that mm. have received a $25,000 check, a, uh, a Blue Bunny ice cream social, and, and certainly national attention that they would uh, receive otherwise through all of uh, all of our great partners. Yeah, I know years ago, uh, my organization, CVAN, the Battered Women's Program here in Cabarrus County, was a winner of that, and that, that was such a, a huge boost and a help to them. So thank you for that and continued good work at the at the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. It's It's got to be just a just a 
gratifying feeling to look back over the years and think, wow, we, we helped that and, and touch somebody in a personal way that, that matters through their whole life. It does. And I think as you get older, you appreciate things far more. And I've always been drawn to give back. And so is Shani. And we did as teenagers and volunteered with various you know, charitable programs. But to start our foundation, we knew in our hearts it was right. And when we were younger, we were excited to do good. But now the meaning of it all and to see you know, the totals um, or where the numbers have gone over the 13 or 14 years the foundation has been around, to hear stories and knowing how we've really helped people uh, means a lot. And, and, of course, having two young girls, they're now asking questions about the foundation and how we help people. Uh, they're they're interested in helping others as well and uh, really look forward to the future with our girls and, and how we're able to uh, kind of reinvent ourselves or continue to continue to help through the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. Well, speaking of Evie and Lydia, they're going to uh, give the command today to start engines. You've done that already this year. Uh, the family got to wave the green flag at Fontana. I'm just curious if uh, how the girls are kind of absorbing all this, your last season and all the different stuff that's going on uh, around the different racetracks. How are they soaking all that in? They're doing great. I mean, to start the year off, it was it was pretty busy, as you can imagine. Um, they were involved and were traveling together and just had such a great time. And then the lockdown happened, and ironically, we got a little snapshot into what life might look like in the coming years of me being around more. <laughs> and now I'm back traveling. Um, I was just FaceTiming with my kids not a few minutes ago, and like, Dad, we miss you. We're not used to you being gone overnight. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited for them uh, to be a part of this final year. They gave me a lot of advice when I gave the command to start engines in Atlanta. And uh, like literally the next, I think Monday after their Tuesday after the race, uh, we got the ask if they could give the command. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they would love to do this. So uh, we, we had fun with it and they're very excited to be on TV. So have they been practicing? They did. We've already filmed it. So okay. uh, we, we, we filmed it for it to work out. And uh, they, they, we did a couple of takes. Um, and, and sentiments. I'll be interested to see which one makes it. Of wow. course, they wanted to be kind of crazy and silly with their uh, their command. <laughs> that's kids, though. That's what makes them fun to be around. Absolutely, that's really cool. Uh, you yeah. mentioned the the lockout and all the the crazy scheduling stuff this year. I'm curious what that's done to your training schedule. I know you were considering some different marathons, and you've been on the bike a good bit. But you know, two races a week, and this weekend, two races in a single weekend. What has that done to your training schedule? And are you still planning any of those extracurriculars, or is that kind of all been put on the shelf for now yeah it's been on the shelf uh, my eating schedule increased dramatically <laughs> in lockdown <laughs> I, I stayed active and i knew i had to you know make sure i sit in my suit and all that so I, I've, I've been busy it hasn't been my biggest year uh or, or most you know I, I'm not in, as fit as I typically am at this point, but it's just been busy with my final full-time season, mm. working on some things for 21, the lockdown, becoming an educator to our children, <laughs> uh, mowing the yard, like all the things <laughs> that were thrown at us during lockdown. Um, you know, my my workout minutes or my time in the gym or time on the bike has, has slowed down some, but summer summer's been good. We've been out in Colorado. And that's just a very inspiring place to uh, to be fit and explore. So I can feel my uh, my pants fitting better, you know, pretty quickly here. <laughs> Real life gets in the way for sure. Uh, Jimmy, let's finish with this. With all the stuff we talked about with the COVID, the the protests, the lockdown, the Confederate flag thing, uh, all the work with your foundation, your final season. 
What do you think is going to stick out to you most about this particular season years from now when you reflect on it? I know we're not done yet. We still have a ways to go in the season. Right. But what do you think might jump out at you years from now? I, I don't have a clue. I mean, <laughs> 2020 has been, you know, major uh, major moment after major moment. Right. And, of course, starting the year in my own selfish way, I was like, look, my moment is hopefully standing in Phoenix as the eight-time champion and doing a mic drop. <laughs> but, uh, and I, 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 gosh, I hope that's still still in the cards and still happens. But with uh, the coronavirus, with the social injustice that we've experienced in the world, NASCAR taking a stand, myself being more vocal, um, you know, there's just been a lot going on. So 2020 has been interesting. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that, I hope that there's a lot of peace and, and caring and kindness and listening and learning for the remainder of the year, and we're all in a better place. Fantastic. I hope so, too. Uh, that's something we can all get behind for sure right now. Well, Jimmy, we appreciate your time, and hopefully uh, that eight-time deal comes true in Phoenix later this season. I appreciate it, buddy. Coming up next on NASCAR Live, Rusty Wallace and Jeff Striegel with the latest Two with Rusty. What do you want a da-da-da? What do y'all want a da-da-da? I have not a da with a da-da-da. We could switch to Progressive da. Oh yeah. We could switch to Progressive and Sa. Mm-hmm. We could saw enough to buy some za. Oh yeah. Let's switch to Progressive da da and get some za with the money we saw. Yeah. Now we know we're gonna da da da. These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. It might just be the most normal thing you da to da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Whelan designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on site to meet the toughest industry certifications. On the road, in the air, and around the world, Whelan is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, trusted to perform. We've got some great stories from Rusty Wallace coming at you next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. NASCAR local, regional, and international racing. Grassroots racing from the short tracks of America to the road courses of Europe and Mexico. I'm Kyle Rickey. Join Hannah Newhouse and me for NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Whelan and Hercules Tires. Each week on the Motor Racing Network, we'll talk with the race winners, newsmakers, and grassroots racing personalities. NASCAR Coast to Coast on the Motor Racing Network. Wing Sprint Cars. That's what we talk about on Wing Nation, presented by Hercules Tire. I'm Steve Post. Join Aaron Everham and me Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time as we talk with race winners and newsmakers from dirt tracks across America. From the world of outlaws to your local track, we cover the greatest show on dirt. Join us live Tuesday on Facebook Live or WingNation.com or catch our Tuesday and Thursday podcasts on YouTube or your favorite podcast provider. Wing Nation, your home for Wing Sprint Car Talk. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live Brickyard Race Week, as it were. If you've been here with us the past couple of months, you've heard the Two with Rusty series. Two questions either you, the fans, submit or... MRN Jeff Striegel asks him. Here's the latest installment. 
Rusty Wallace going back to victory lane at Martinsville. How well do you know NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace? Rusty Wallace is the 1989 Winston Cup champion. An unfiltered, unbiased opinion on topics that burn in NASCAR nation. Man, if I would have done that back then, I'd have blew a lot of stuff up. I'd have had problems, <laughs> you know. From the ever-changing landscape of the sport to random facts about the NASCAR Hall of Famer. I'm not a good golfer at all. <laughs> it's two with Rusty, only on the Motor Racing Network. We all knew that a weekend of NASCAR meant the opportunity to watch the number three Goodwrench Chevrolet go after the number two Miller Lite sponsored car with you behind the wheel. And you guys would go at it head to head. And you could tell there were times when you'd get out of the race car and all you wanted to do is walk over and maybe punch him. And he maybe wanted to get out of the car and walk over and punch you. You never did. You had a, an amazing relationship. Why uh, do I know that? Because you told me. And now I want you to share that with others. Let's take you and Dale Sr. today, right now, as if he was still with us. Let's get away from the racetrack. What would you guys be doing right now? If, the, if we could put the two of you together anywhere on the planet, what would you want to do? Well, what would you want to do with Dale Sr. right now? We both... Probably the thing when him and I were racing the hardest that we did the most uh, was the water. We loved going uh, down to the Bahamas, and we were at the Bahamas all the time, and Dale ended up buying himself all these different boats. And I think at one point he had almost had four, four different boats, fishing boats and luxury stuff and that and that. But, you know, and I used to rent a lot of boats. I never did own any, but he did a lot. And we spent a lot of time in the Bahamas together. And we would talk racing, and we'd talk about how to make racing better. And uh, we would laugh about our rival. <clears throat> and then we would go to the track, and he would act like he didn't even know me. And I'm like, we've been together for damn six days now, and we're having a heck of a time here. And what's going on? Why is this so different? But he, he could actually flip a switch, Dale Earnhardt could, and go from having a good time to, to just racing and trying to get every dime you had he wanted to get your money and uh so we we had a, a lot of struggles there uh with that because i couldn't understand how he could be so such a nice person off the track and giving and caring and wanting to have fun and laughing and brought my son uh over there taught him how to shoot a gun at his farm and our wives are still good friends to this day stuff like that but he was he was a different dude i mean he, he was 185 pounds six foot tall I'm 185 pounds, six foot tall. Uh, I had it wore a 10 and a half shoe. He did too. We were exactly the same size bodies, but with complete different minds. That's for sure. You know, the way we thought. And uh, I would think about that every now and then, but boy, I, I had some, we had some great times with him. I mean, I was sponsored by Miller. I remember one time I went to get on a boat to go to bed that night and I walked down to, to jump and uh, get in the room. Me and Patty walked down there. And there was, there was a 24-pack of Budweiser laying on my bed. But he just razzing me all the time. But, but, and, uh, but then one night, I remember he was, say, he was struggling in Bristol. He was having a tough time in Bristol. And he said, he said man, you're always winning all the Bristol races. Give, give me, help me out with that setup. And you know what I did, Jeff? This is a true story. This is something I did with uh, Dick Trickle all the time. And I did it with Mark Martin. And I did it with Jeff Burton a little bit. I would give these – they, if they're in trouble, I'd give them my setup. And I gave – um, I, I gave uh, Dale Earnhardt my winning setup. I wrote it down for him on a piece of paper and gave it to him. And you know the reason I felt comfortable giving it to him? Because I knew 
that once his crew got involved in it, that they would never believe it. They would never believe it, and they would only use maybe half of it. So I gave him the entire setup. I went back to Bristol, beat his butt again soon as we got off that boat. The next race, I went to Bristol and beat him, and I gave him the setup, and I want to come time to start the race. I said, what what'd you How'd you end up? And he goes, well, we had to change the right front spring. We changed the left rear. So why is that? Because the crew chief didn't agree with it. And this and this. Oh, okay. They didn't use the whole thing like I told them to do. And he, I would beat them again. So, you know, we had relationships like that. So I could, I could go on and on with Earnhardt stories and uh, aviation stuff. Oh, my gosh. We got big time in aviation together. Now. But, uh, but what a cool guy. But he was the best. He was one of the best drivers, and if you could run with him or beat him, man, you really done something. Not to, not to forget, he was the most popular driver too. I mean, all the fans loved him, and uh, not only was he great driver, the fans loved him. And uh, and that mystique he had, always wearing black all the time, and some of those great his best buddies, Brooks and Dunn, and the country and western singers back then loved Earnhardt. And it's not that Earnhardt hung out with them; they wanted to hang out with Earnhardt. And so it was pretty cool. To ask a question for upcoming Two with Rusty segments, join the conversation on Twitter at MRN Radio using the hashtag AskMRN. If you'd like to call in a question, my question was for Rusty Wallace. Use the MRN hotline at 1-844-4-ASK-MRN. Just want to ask Rusty, on the days back when he was driving the Kodiak car. It's Two with Rusty, only on the Motor Racing Network. Thank you, gentlemen. Be sure to get your questions in. Rusty may respond to them soon. We're about to wave the checkers here on another edition of NASCAR Live. After the break, a NASCAR history lesson. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. For five decades, the Motor Racing Network has been the voice of NASCAR. And now, it's time to tell our story. They are in turn two in front of Mike Joy. With help from some of the sport's iconic voices. Oh, crap, and I spin around. Here comes Richard Petty. I'm Fred Armstrong. Join me for MRN's newest podcast series. MRN presents 50 Years, the voice of NASCAR. Available for download on MRN.com. And wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before we hit the door, let's look back in time in both pop culture and NASCAR history. Here's our Susie Armstrong. Thanks, Mike. This week, we beat feet back to 1957, daddy-o. Censored pelvis notwithstanding, Elvis Presley was king of the airwaves with his third straight number one, Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear. President Dwight D. Eisenhower was a hit with American voters, returning for a second term in the Oval Office. Children's Television Fair featured the adventures of Rin Tin Tin, Gumby, and Hopalong Cassidy. And Glenn Wood had the top down and his foot to the floor, besting Possum Jones in the 1956 Wood Brothers Ford to win the NASCAR Convertible Series Clash at Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois. 
1987, Whitney Houston beckoned America to get up and boogie with the number one track, I Want to Dance with Somebody. A Los Angeles court summoned actor Sean Penn to serve a 60-day jail stint for assault and reckless driving, instructing the 26-year-old actor to show up with his toothbrush and overnight case. And the late Dale Earnhardt schooled the late Davy Allison, beating the young upstart to the line in the Miller American 400 at Michigan International Speedway. Final move is about to be made as they go down the back straightaway for the very last time this afternoon. Davey Allison has it to do now or never. He closes in to within three car lengths in turn number three. Looks to the outside of Earnhardt. Earnhardt's down low. Here comes Allison up on the banking in turn four. Davey goes way high, too high in fact. Now he has to try and come back to the inside. That move up the banking is going to cost him. He was having the momentum there, but he couldn't keep the car down low. Earnhardt will win. 1999, the Backstreet Boys celebrated Y2K by raking in the cash with their explosive multi-platinum album, Millennium. The San Antonio Spurs ejected the New York Knicks from the NBA Finals in Game 5 to win their first world title. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. outdueled road racing ringer Ron Fellows on the final circuit to nab his first career NASCAR road course victory in the Xfinity Series Lysol 200 at Watkins Glen International. Fellows has anything for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Now is the time to show it. Fellows in the tire tracks of Dale Earnhardt Jr. At the entrance of turn 10. Fellows back about a car length. In the left-hander, turn 10. Fellows takes a different line. Now slips a bit. Earnhardt pulls away by about four car lengths in turn 11. Dale Earnhardt Jr. passes Ron Fellows on the last lap. He comes to the start-finish line. Three straight wins on the NASCAR Bush Series. Earnhardt Jr. wins the Lysol 200 at Watkins Glen. Passing the race's dominator with a bold move under breaking in turn one just after seeing the white flag. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. And our thanks to Chase Briscoe, A.J. Allmendinger, and Jimmy Johnson as well. It's that time of the week, my friends. Time to throw the checkered flag. We thank you for joining us for the rest of the MRN crew. I'm Mike Bagley. We'll chat with you next week right here with another edition of NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Hercules Tires, right on our strength, and by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian, Tyler Burnett, and Rich Colbert. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.